Real Life Conversations is a new podcast focusing on biblical discussions for Christian life. Please note that this podcast involves discussions with individuals from different backgrounds, denominations, and different spiritual walks of life. These conversations are not designed to put denominational stakes in the ground. Rather, these conversations are to help others pursue God, grow in understanding of the Bible, walk in step with the Holy Spirit, and experience real-life change. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please email reallifeconversations at myelevationcc.org. Welcome to episode four of Real Life Conversations. Thank you so much for joining us today and for the month of July and August. We are going to be having real life conversations over the subject of worship. Why we worship, what is worship, and how we worship. And I cannot think of a better guest on today's podcast to start this conversation than my brother, Brett Rush, all the way in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Brett, we have known each other since 2002. I want to welcome Brett Rush to our podcast. How are you, brother? I am wonderful. Bill, it's an honor to be here, and I can't believe we've been friends for 20 years. No, brother, you've seen me in the highs and lows, and you have been such a dear friend. Your wife, Dawn, and you have two boys, Jonathan and Jordan, and both now are married off, huh? How about it? How would you do that? (laughs) I have no idea. By the grace of God. Both are are in ministry in some form or fashion. Yeah, they both serve the church. Dawn and I's hearts are are full. They both still love us, and they both still love the church. So we feel like that's a win. (laughs) Hey, that's a gospel-centered family right there, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Just for our listeners, I uh, started performing at a theater called Sight and Sound in Strasburg, Pennsylvania. And my passion was worship. And so I wanted to find a church that valued that, that really worshiped with their whole heart. And I found a a little, little church right next to a little outlet mall of, uh, I think it was Dollar General, wasn't it? That's right. And uh, it was in Quarryville, Pennsylvania, and it was called Shiloh Tabernacle. And uh, Brett, could you just even give a little bit of history of how that came to be and why did you start a church? The short version is, you know, I surrendered to the call to ministry. I spent one year at Penn State University as an engineering major and just felt the call of God on my life. So I went away to Bible college. I was working with my cousin in the church down in North Carolina where I finished up my degree. So I met my wife and through lots of prayer and seeking wisdom and counsel down there with them, it just felt right to come back home to my hometown and start a church. Give me the opportunity to teach, to teach the word and to build relationships. And the interesting thing is in this conversation, we're talking about worship, is I didn't even play guitar at that point. Yeah, that's right. uh, I, I grew up I grew up uh, in a Baptist church singing Southern gospel music for most of my formative years. Still love that kind of music. Yeah, I love but, uh, some of my favorite memories oh. is singing quartet music with your brother. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So that's how we ended up back here planning the church. And Shiloh Tabernacle was the name of the church that I was working in in North Carolina with my cousin, who was the pastor, and they helped us launch. Yeah. So we kind of just sort of took that name on in honor of them. And it's changed over the years. My wife and I are going into now our 26th year of Christian ministry as pastors. Now, praise the Lord for that. I know it hasn't been easy. Yeah. Well, as ministry. 
it's amazing to me. I, I just want to thank you for your your shepherding and your pastorship to me. I knew I was called into ministry, and uh, I shared that with you right away. And little did I know, you were just really reflecting to me what it looked like when I was going to enter into ministry. Yeah. And now that I'm a, a pastor and lead pastor, you've just been a mentor of understanding. Right. And so I just really appreciate your mentorship and your yeah. friendship, what you've meant to me. So it's been an honor to have front row seat to watch God do what he's done in your life. Thank you. Super, pr- super proud of you. Thank you. So let's let's go back to you starting a church and God starting to place a heart of worship inside of you. But one yep. thing I remembered, you were sharing your testimony and you shared how you kind of started out with maybe the wrong motivation. You had a, a discontent of how the church was and how yeah. different denominations were leading. And so yeah. Yeah. you kind of went into it kind of with an agenda to do it yeah. right, right? Exactly. I, I had to I had to confess there was a little bit of a rebellious spirit yeah. <laughs> from the jump. And God worked all that out, softened my heart. We've been through all of that. And uh, the, the beautiful thing was, I, I like to frame it from even the name of our church, Charlotte Tabernacle, ties into this idea of worship. Yeah. Because that's what the tabernacle is all about. Amen. And in, and in, in study in college, at Bible college, when I started unpacking that, that's when I really began the journey of a heart of worship and chasing after what it really meant to worship God. Oh man, that's a whole other podcast in itself. <laughs> sure uh, but, uh, you know, I've done several messages on it in a creative way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for our listeners, if that kind of uh, strikes you and you've never really looked into the blueprint right. of the tabernacle, I mean, you look at mm-hmm. the Old Testament. I, I always tell people who have a hard time understanding the Old Testament, and I tell them it literally is an earthly model of a spiritual design. Yeah. Right. You you look at all the different cultural things in the Bible of why they, they did things, marriage, family, all of that, creation. It all mm-hmm. ties into a divine principle or a heavenly design. And so listeners, check out in Exodus how God wanted and ordered Moses to design and build the tabernacle because it now that the Spirit of God lives inside of each of us, we are exactly. called the living tabernacle. Yes. And Long so, story short. Yeah. Now, so, we're the, now we're the temple. Yeah. But it is it is there for us. The blueprint is laid out for us. We don't have to wonder, you know, and that's the journey. Like I've just so much enjoyed unpacking the word of God over the years when it comes to this idea of praise and worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he doesn't leave it f- for us to figure out on our own. Yeah. You know, you can unpack the original language that God breathed into the writers of the word. And he says, this is how I want you to worship. This is how I want you to praise my name. And so worship is all about our hearts, our posture, our mind, our motivation, uh, Mm -hmm. our identity. And so I know a a passage you teach from often is Romans 12, uh, one through two, which actually says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices holy and acceptable to God, which is, let's say it together, your spiritual act of worship. worship. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about that? What what do we get from that when it comes to worship? Uh, That's that's beginning to recognize that worship transcends this whole idea of praise and worship. 
Mm. You know, we, we say praise and worship, and it's almost become a genre of music, and it couldn't be further from that. It's not a genre of music. It's not you know, even genre, music. No, it's not even music. You know, genres of music are, you know, country, gospel, R&B, you know, and you can praise and worship through any of that music and that avenue of worship or music. Yeah. But, but worship takes on a life of its own outside the four walls of the church. That's how I like to frame it and teach people. Like we come together on a Sunday morning, just like you do at Elevation, and we lift up the name of Jesus high above all things, and we call that praise and worship. I have no, I have no problem calling it praise and worship, but it's the heart of worship is going to be captured in the life we live outside of those four walls. So are you saying that people could actually go to church and sing the songs? and literally not even enter into a lick of worship? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think I think way too many people do that, Phil, and, and we can be guilty of that. We can drive down the road and we can look at church signs and they say, worship service, 10 a.m., you know? Well, how much worship is really going on in there? <laughs> so, you know, that's where we got to check our hearts and recognize, you know, and you're doing, you're doing that right now as a church. You're talking about why we worship, what is worship, you know, all of those things. And these are things that we need to teach and we need to help people understand. Go on the journey together. Yeah. Equip each other. Yeah. So you have led worship for a long time, especially uh, uh, Shallow being a smaller church. You were kind of the, uh, oh man, you were the, the pastor. You were the worship leader. You were yeah. the greeter. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then of I course you were the I was the janitor. I was <laughs> the catch-all. <laughs> Yeah, that's what you do. That's what you do when you plan a church. But uh, anyways, <laughs> I tell you what, some of my greatest and fondest memories of worship yeah. were within our little shallow tabernacle team. And uh, you we'll talk about it in a minute. But you started writing right mm -hmm. around a 2003 ish, maybe 2002, 2003. It's still crazy. You picked up a guitar and I think within <laughs> a couple months you were writing songs. Yeah, it was very, um, very strange. But from our time together and even your time now as worship leader, if you could share a message or a word of encouragement or even prompting to people who go to church and worship, mm -hmm. what would you tell them from a leader perspective? Wow. I mean, what a question. That's a great question, Phil. And I try to do it every single week when I get to lead, when I have the opportunity to lead worship. Yeah. Um, I heard it said, and I honestly can't remember who, who I heard say this years ago. I like the term lead worshiper mm -hmm. over the term worship leader, you know, because I know I, when I get to stand and worship God, that's my first role. And everyone in the room has that opportunity. So I just, I, every chance I get, I'm encouraging people. Look, we are standing in this place right now. When you say lead worshiper in the context you asked me this question, we are in corporate setting, the body of Christ, right. being encouraged, being edified, and, and lifting up Jesus high above all things. See, to me, you've got to get to that place where he's exalted above all the other things that's going on in your mind and in your heart and in your life. Put him at the top. And that's where you're going to focus and worship. I mean, that's where it'll start for most people. So really, we're, from a leader perspective, what I hear you saying is what you exalt, what you place at the highest uh, point of your life. Uh, we call it worth-ship. Have you heard that before? Worth-ship. What yes. you give the highest worth is what you worship. What you yep. worship is who you follow. Who you Absolutely. follow is who you become. 
Exactly. Mic drop. <laughs> exactly. Right there. You said it all right there. What else is yep. there to say? Yeah. All of us, We the, the bottom line is you were made for it. The, the question is not if I worship. The question is, what are you worshiping? All of us worship. And, yep. and in our culture today, you can see what things are worshiped above all the other things. You know, on a Sunday morning, the football stadium is packed with 60,000 people. And some churches are having a hard time keeping their doors open. That kind of reveals the heart of worship. What are we worshiping? So, and and that's you know I know that's unpacking a whole, uh, unpacking a lot there, but it's true and it needs to be said. The yeah. body of Christ is God's secret weapon on planet Earth, and one of our most powerful weapons at our disposal is our praise and worship. And I also I do want to clarify it's one of our most powerful weapons, yeah, not the most powerful, the most, weapon. right? Um, you know, that would be the word of God. And one of the most powerful weapons we have is our praise and our worship. And it's reveal, it reveals itself throughout Scripture. You know, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Phil, and you'll probably remember this, is in Second Chronicles chapter 20. <laughs> you know. Jehoshaphat, baby. That's right. Jehoshaphat, come on. When the, when the enemy was coming at him, his first inclination was, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes, our are, eyes on are on you. Fixing our eyes on you. Just like we're taught in Hebrews, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Hebrews so we fix our eyes on you. So he sought the Lord first. So even in that story there in Second Chronicles chapter 20, if you've never read it, open it up, read it. It's one of the most encouraging stories in the Old Testament from my lens because he sent out the choir and they worship. It's a quite a bold you know, military strategy to send out your choir uh, yeah. ahead of the army. But that's just one example. You can even pull out from the New Testament example of the power of praise and worship. And Paul and Silas were in shackles in prison, you know, and then around the midnight hour, they started singing and worshiping and the chains fell off. The prison doors flung open, you know, and they're right there. Not only was power, the power of praise and worship evident, but it's also a powerful tool of evangelism because you remember the guard that was charged with keeping Paul and Silas in the prison was, he came and said, oh no, I'm in big trouble. Drew yeah. his sword to take his own life. And Paul and Silas like, yo, no, we're still here. You know, so now yeah. all of a sudden he gets the opportunity to share the gospel with this guy. So man, praise and worship is, is, is such a powerful tool for the life of a believer. And uh, with what you're saying too, it makes me re uh, remember a quote I read and I'm probably going to butcher it, but <laughs> when you can't feel God and when you can't see it, you know, experience his presence, start worshiping right and it will shift the atmosphere of your life and look right. at paul and silas that's exactly what they did yeah. going back to jehoshaphat in second chronicles 20 i think it's interesting when they went into battle worshiping it wasn't oh god we need you right. it wasn't oh god help us we're dead without you it actually was in verse 21 give give thanks to thanks. the lord yeah there it is for his faithful, his faithful love endures, endures forever forever <laughs> there it is yep so worshiping God yep. is giving him praise, responding to his greatness because of who he is. Exactly. Not what we're facing. Exactly. Whew. That is worship. And I believe worship can reveal itself in the life of a believer by seeking his face, not just his hand. You know, not just, you That's know, it. it's, it's, it's man. I like what you said. We, we're, we're a feelings based culture and society today, mm -hmm. obviously, and Man, we say it all the time around here at Victory. Choices lead, feelings follow. Because mm. you're not always going to feel like it. Say that again, Brett. Choices lead, feelings follow. You know, and you've got to apply that principle when it comes to worship in your life. Because you're not always going to feel like it. 
you know it too, Phil. Even as a pastor, there are Sundays where it rolls around. Man, do I really feel like standing up right now and singing? Yeah. No, I had a very difficult week, and but we got worthy. this bad news. Or, yeah, but he's worthy. So I have to make the choice right there in that moment. I'm going to choose to say, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his faithful love endures forever. Mm. And when you do that, the feeling will follow. So that that's a huge part, in my opinion, of worship. Choices lead feelings. I have to make the choice that he's worthy of mm. praise, no matter what the circumstance. And that's called a sacrifice of worship. Exactly. And Romans 12 says, which is a sacrifice. A sacrifice of praise. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. it, man. Wow. Hey, um, so you, you've you been writing songs for over 20? About 20 years. 20 years. Wow. You can uh, look up Brett Rush on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and we're going to give you guys a treat at the end of this podcast. We're going to play... I think my favorite song, honestly, uh, I got to hear it before anybody else because uh, you were writing it and you said, hey, dude, I got this song and I I just want to know, is this okay to keep pursuing? And oh my gosh, we've played it at Elevation Community Church for years. Thank you. Worship. So we'll get to that in just a minute. So listeners, stay tuned. But Brett, from your experience in writing worship music, what's something that you've learned through writing worship music that you haven't learned any other way? Personally, the the hardest lesson I've learned is on the journey. I'm a worshiper, so I'm writing for an audience of one. And we've all heard that phrase before, an audience of one. So it's recognizing that many, if not all of my songs, they're for him, you know, and that we've had a little bit of radio success years back when we first started, you know, and got to do some pretty incredible things because of the music ministry that God allowed us to do. Because one of the questions I'm asked over the years, Phil, is, um, you know, by young, inspiring, you know, artists that want to do, you know, I want to write and perform and do music. You know, they always have all those questions. I always say, I wish I had the answer for you, but I don't, because if, if you're writing, especially worship music, for any other reason other than you want to worship God, that's where we got to check our heart, because that's mm-hmm. where I was, and that's what the journey God has still has me on. We don't have time to unpack the whole journey, but with what you said, like Wash Me Away, the song you're referencing here, was one of the first songs I've ever written, and it was birthed out of a difficult season to where I was just praying. Yeah. And, you know, it became a song. And I think you were one of the first people that I even did say something to. I'm like, hey, am I crazy here? Or is this a song that we can share with other people? Yeah. (laughs) And that's how the journey started for me. To this day, people get frustrated when I say I don't consider myself a quote unquote musician or songwriter in the terms of songwriter that does that for a living. You know, there are people, you know, my journey, I've met people in Nashville. They are songwriters. That's what they do. I ascribe myself as the a, a lead worshiper, and sometimes I write songs that come out of my worship. <laughs> you know, and I don't mean to say that in a way that frustrates people who would like to play and write and sing music who can't. I'm just from the seat I sit in, and from my experience over the past twenty years, that's just where I'm at. Yeah, I'm still on the journey of you'll never exhaust this one we're worshiping. <laughs> mm. You'll never exhaust it. We'll write, we can write a gabillion songs about this creator God who loves us unconditionally and sent his only son to die for us. And then you'll turn around and you'll write another billion songs because he's worthy. You know, that's kind of like uh, John the Beloved, who even says, so if we were to write everything of the I, accounts while Jesus was on earth, yeah, it, 
you couldn't. You, you just couldn't. No, no there can't it. contain it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's the journey we're on. I love the fact that we have great books on worship and what is worship and how do we worship and who's worthy. He's worthy of our worship. Keep them coming because you'll never exhaust it. You'll never exhaust this topic of worshiping <laughs> the infinite creator God, Yahweh. <laughs> so let me totally off the cuff. Let's just be real. What we're facing here in America, most people who are listening to this podcast are from the United States mm -hmm. of America. You just turn on the news, you turn on your phone apps, you turn on social media, and all hell is breaking loose. Yeah. People are panicking. Everyone's responding in their own way. I truly believe that the only hope for our country, of course, is Jesus, but it's the church. Absolutely. And if we're going to raise a standard and see breakthrough and see mm -hmm. God turn this around, not only through the church, but the church genuinely worshiping, what would you say in regards to people who are listening to challenge them that their response to the things going on in our world makes a difference? And their response is to worship. What, what would you say to that? I would say yes and amen, because <laughs> that's what our response should be. I agree 100%. We are seeing you. It's hard. I mean, you can't even believe some of it. Like, it doesn't seem, it's just it's unbelievable. It's beyond our understanding what's happening in our culture and even around the world. And I agree with you 100%. The body of Christ, the church, the big C church, is God's secret weapon on planet Earth. And I want to remind all of us, if you're listening right now, I want to remind you, as part of, if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you are part of the body of Christ, the big C church. No matter what label you carry, if it's whatever denomination it is, you know, we're not even going to go. It's the body of Christ. That's right. And let me remind you what Jesus said. Jesus said to his disciples, who do people say I am? You know, and Peter and some of the disciples chiming back with all these different answers. And finally, Peter said, you're the Messiah. And Jesus's response was, that's exactly right. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We need to kind of put to rest this notion that the church is in trouble. Mm. The, the church may be a little comfortable right now, but Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So to answer your question in response to what's going on right now, People need to get their eyes off of social media, the news, all of the nonsense that's going on that's consuming their life. And then yeah. they need to go back to the first thing we talked about. And we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Mm -hmm. That's how we're going to make a difference. Because when you fix your eyes on Jesus, that's when you realize and you begin to see his worth like you talked about mm. and you understand he's worthy of our worship that's going to create breakthrough it's going to create revival whatever you want to call it however you want to frame it that's what's really going to make the difference the church is so consumed with what's happening come on with what's happening all around them that they seem to have forgotten what has happened and what's going to happen yeah <laughs> that's yeah. that's where our faith is our hope is in what's coming. Our hope is in the soon coming king. Yeah. He's the one we're worshiping. And what has happened is he's already taken care of. <laughs> yeah. Did that on the cross. Yeah. So that's when, man, when we can get there as, as a church, man, genuine worship is going to break out. And genuine worship is going to lead to breakthrough. Yeah. Because that's where God shows up, right? Exactly. 
The word of God itself declares he inhabits the praises of his people. Mm. You just it can't you can't help it. It's gonna happen. So what's it gonna look like? I don't know. Don't don't try to label what it's gonna look like. It looks different everywhere. Every time God shows up somewhere, it looks different. And then everyone wants to try to duplicate what God did over here. That's right. That's just worship right. him. Just worship just him. Just enter in, man. Yeah. He's worthy. <laughs> Well, Brett, uh, we are uh, going to wrap up our episode four on our conversation of worship. Is there anything else that's on your heart that you kind of want to end with? Well, I can enter, I can just say briefly here. One of the things that, that helped has helped me my entire you know Christian life for the last twenty years is the song you're about to share because it was a prayer, it's a simple prayer, and it's a prayer. Believe it or not, I feel I pray. I still pray every single day. Hmm. More of you and less of me. So if you can, if you get up before your feet hit the ground, more of you, Jesus, less of me. It was the prayer of John the Baptist, man. He says, may I decrease so that he, Jesus, may increase. And when Jesus increases, that's worship. Because he's the one that's exalted. And God said, when my son is raised up, I will draw all eyes to him. That's that's high lifted up. Yep. So Absolutely. listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Don't leave now. I'm going to play uh, the song Wash Me Away in just a moment. But if you have any questions about today's podcast or about faith in Jesus, mm-hmm. if you have any prayer requests, would you please email real life conversations at myelevationcc.org. That's real life conversations at myelevationcc.org. God bless you. And now let this worship song wash over you called Wash Me Away by Brett Rush. Wash away all the sin that's in my life. Wash away the thousand lies that fill my mind cleanse me anew each day my life lord redefine wash me in your river one more time Wash me away Wash me away Wash me away Wash me Each day, grace.